So I think this is going to be our last shots or first shots, depending on when it comes out. So I think we will add a little bit of Christmas and maybe a little bit of the New Year in this. On to Christmassy stuff. Uh, so uh, most of you guys are, you know, you might be aware that you know there is a whole industry around tracking Santa, and one of them is actually NORAD, which actually is the command center which tracks incoming missiles into the US and into NATO countries. And NORAD also tracks Santa. So, you know, how did this really come about? Uh, so the way it happened was a local Sears store in Colorado Springs actually ran a dial Santa campaign in the year 1955. But however, there was a misprint in the number. Instead of listing the number of the Sears store, they posted the number of the Continental Air Defense Command Center, which is NORAD. So on Christmas Eve 1955, Colonel Harry Shoup, that is S-H-O-U-P, he began receiving calls while working at NORAD from kids asking to speak to Santa Claus. So instead of telling, so I mean, obviously 1955, you don't want to disappoint kids. Instead of telling the kids that they dialed the wrong number, the colonel and his men, they started answering the call and they said that it wasn't Santa, but he could help track Santa on a radar. All night, you know, he and his men kept fielding these calls, giving them details about Santa's location and his reindeer flew through the skies and all of that. So, and this is how this whole tradition started in the year 1955 that NORAD also tracks Santa. And in fact, the other bit of trivia that I think I shared with Nilesh on is that I didn't realize it, that the Irish government actually passes a resolution in their parliament that gives Santa uh, passage over their airspace and their certain... Avenue exemptions and all also that are given to Santa. So there are a whole bunch of people involved in making Santa move around the world. Also, keeping in line with the Christmas spirit and Santa stories and all that. You know, we, we all think Jingle Bells is a Christmas song, right? The question really is, is it a Christmas song or is it a song about a jaunty ride on a one-horse slip? Okay, so the song was actually written by James Lord Pierpoint. And he was the one who composed the music and wrote the lyrics. And it was released under the title One Horse Open Sleigh. Okay, so it wasn't called Jingle Bells. It was released as One Horse Open Sleigh in 1857. And then in 1859, it was rechristened as Jingle Bells. And the funny thing is that if you actually go and read the lyrics of the original song, right? It's a bit of a rebel out of, you know, a rebel without a cause kind of a attitude in the song. Because let me read one para for you, uh, which usually is never sung. It says, now the ground is white, go it while you're young. Take the girls tonight and sing this slaying song. Just get a bobtailed bay to 40 at his speed, hitch him to an open sleigh, and crack, you'll take the lead. There's no way this song was about Christmas. <laughs> so this song, if you read the original lyrics, it's quite funny because it's about taking a babe, putting her in the sleigh with you, all of that. So it's this really young, rebellious boy who's written this song, which has become... The Christmas song, which everybody sings um, and thinks it's all about Santa's sleigh, which it isn't. And so it became the Christmas song in 1943. Okay, It was written in the 1850s, became the Christmas song as it is now known in 1943, uh, with a version of Bing Crosby and the Andrew sister who did this, the whole thing with the Christmassy versions and all of that. 
and that's how it's become the christmas song but it wasn't originally written as a christmas song and did you know that this song jingle bells was the first song which was broadcast from space oh nice <laughs> so i thought that was really funny because jingle bells has nothing to do with santa sleigh uh, but hey let's have a merry christmas with jingle bells <laughs> So apparently, even the Santa's red color is a creation Coke. of Coke, <laughs> and before that, it was like he was like a multicolored guy or whatever he was. But it became all red and you know Christmassy because of Coke. And let's just to lead you into your shorts. I think is Santa hundred or more. <laughs> yeah, thanks for giving that segue. So yes, I mean, I, I, you know, while you guys were uh, researching a bit on uh, you know traditions of uh, Christmas, and I didn't know. I mean, hats off to Bill Crosby actually to to actually convert it into uh, something that everyone reverse today. So a week or two back, Charlie Munger died. So he was the right hand man of Warren Buffet. I mean, uh, rest in peace. Great. huge uh, uh, you know uh, person in the investment community you know people talk about his anecdotes his one liners brilliant guy you know he, he was a billionaire but lived a very simple life honestly so very interesting personality charlie munger the story is not about that so i was just looking at it and you know charlie munger died at 99 and then i looked up he just died two months short of 100 right and then i was thinking about you know uh, prince philip he he also died at just just about 2 months short of 100 at 99 queen elizabeth had a full life she died at 96 and i felt that these are the people who i mean why didn't they go to 100 right <laughs> so the prevalence so i started looking up the prevalence of centenarians and how uh, what is the percentage and stuff like that so uh, what i came across was that in last 20 years because of uh, medicine and you know various other uh, you know uh, inventions the prevalence has gone up has become double so firstly it is increasing people live to 100 much more than they did uh, a decade or two back and now it is i think in us it has come to around 2.7 people per uh, 10000 would live to be 100 and uh, the highest uh, life expectancy is obviously japan where about 3.4 people um, in 10000 will live to be 100 so so 100 is a is a is a special number and people like prince philip also couldn't reach there then there is something called super centenarians okay and it's actually just 10 years more so it's like 110 and it seems just one centenarian out of 1000 centenarians will reach the 110 mark so it becomes as rare as for normal human beings it is 1 in 5 million people would reach to 110 now that's a different question that in next 20 years <laughs> the number might drastically change and and i don't know whether earth can bear it but we are living much longer <laughs> so that was my so nilesh here's a question here's a question for you If a person who lives up to a hundred is called a centenarian, Santa is seventeen hundred years old. What do you think thousand-year-olds are called? No clue. <laughs> that's what they started calling him Santa. I think that's what they yeah, yeah. call him. Yeah, yeah, correct. It's like yeah, <laughs> there is no number because see, super centenarian happens at hundred and ten. Already in ten, you become super centenarian. So I don't know. Santa is just Santa centenarian. <laughs> so he's seventeen hundred and fifty-three years old. 
No, no, it, it could be otherwise, it could be some version of Chuck Norris or Rajnikanth or something like that. That is possible. Poor Santa must be dying in his grave, turning, being called Rajnikanth. You know, okay, so before, I'll tell you a very funny one. This is, I, I think we all love Monty Python, right? So apparently, when Monty Python and the Hori Grail was made, the budget for that movie was $319,000, okay? And it was funded by, you know, who? I mean, do you want to guess? I mean, though, I think it's ridiculous to ask. It was funded together by Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, Genesis, Elton John, and Jethro Tull. Wow. They together put out the money to make Monty Python and the Holy Grail. What fun. Wow, I didn't know man. that. That's that amazing. Is, that's an amazing uh, fact. And and just imagine these legendary guys. And, and it became a huge... <laughs> huge, right? It was like, like Monty Python. Like, it's a... So that's the end of our shorts. And I think like Samiran said, we don't know whether you will hear this as the last shorts of 2023 or the first shorts of 2024. Whichever way it is, we wish you a very, very happy new year and a very, very happy 2024 with lots more tech madness and really quirky conversations. Um, Look forward to seeing you guys in the new year. And um, Samiran, you have to find even, you have to find new paradoxes for the year. Okay, so you have to have a 2024 paradox. Uh, when we come back in the new year.